1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
2: Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
0: Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Weff, and I'm back in Canada, back uh, on the West Coast. And, um, Andrew, you're probably going to love to hear this, but I, I arrived last night, late last night, landed on the West Coast and, um, there was snow on the ground. Uh,
1: yes. I- <laughs> It exists in other countries in the world. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> man. Um, I,
0: I was very, very, very shocked. Um, it was um, rather disappointing. Um, I was there. It was only zero degrees. I was like, what is going on here? So, yeah, apparently the cold snap is still on. Um, Tim, you kind of lied to me. You told me it was all over. It was all over. I don't know where you found the snow. We don't have it here. Like, I live in downtown Vancouver. There's no snow. So, I don't know where you found it, but yeah, oh, well. you looked very... It's it, maybe I got punished for making fun of uh, Andrew Flint. Uh, <laughs> in this weather situation.
1: of Canadian weather now is fantastic. I mean, it's it's still tropical, of course. I mean, zero degrees. You know, you do realize it's going to be at least another month or two until I even see zero. But you know, anyway, I'm taking. I'll take what victories I can get. Snows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly gone. Um, it's really mostly gone, Andrew. But I'm just out of curiosity because I forgot my ha- my cell phone downstairs. What is the temperature in Tumen?
1: Uh, well, it's getting warmer here too, actually. Um, I think we we almost almost broke into um, single figures in degrees. So um, you yeah, know we're getting there. Um, and like I said last time, it's because the football's coming. But uh, I'm actually I'm going to be in the car on the road to watch Zenit on Saturday in Um and it's mercifully not going to be absolutely perishingly cold. My car didn't start for the first time ever in a, about a week or two ago, but, um, I don't think there's any danger of that. So yeah, we're, we're, we're going up to, um, tropical temperatures too now. Uh,
0: the tropical, yeah. You know, of course, if you say single figures, that's still a minus in front of the figures. So, um, I'm not sure if that's tropical, but no. I'm, I'm last <laughs> question, Andrew, about the weather. So in the rest of Canada, you know, in places where people, Um, have to suffer the same kind of temperatures that you do they have actually heaters built into the car stand heaters do they do the same in siberia
1: well actually i do have a very very cool little button um i've got a remote control engine starter and sometimes i just use it even when i i don't actually need to but actually it is genuinely it's a lifesaver because without it without it i'm going absolutely nowhere but um yes i do i do have one of those things um uh, and, uh, it's, it's more than just a luxury. It is actually genuinely quite important. It's
0: generally a lifesaver. I was just going to say because, you know, driving at minus 15 degrees is um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, boys, um, thankfully, Tim, we don't really have to deal with any of that sort of stuff. Even if it does snow, it maybe lasts. I had, a- I had enough that in Russia because,
3: uh, when I was, when I lived there and I had the car and before to go to university every night, uh, I had to take out the battery and bring it home to make sure it doesn't, doesn't freeze to death. So I can start, uh, the comp, uh, the battery next morning. That was my regular routine, uh, five days a week when I was, you know, okay. going to university. Um, I got sick of doing that, but yeah, you have to do it because like when it's above or like below, uh, 20, uh, there's always risk of your battery freezing so yeah i would just take my battery and walk with a heavy battery home and then bring it back in the morning and with cold hands try to uh, screw it back oh that's that was fun <laughs> <laughs> i
0: just have <laughs> a very missed method I got a very vivid image in my head of you carrying a car battery from a Russian uh, garage to
2: <laughs> your yeah, apartment. Yeah, like it
3: was like park.
0: yeah, um, a park, a parking, yeah, a big parking
3: one. Yeah, and just walking home with, with the battery and then just bring it back and it's yeah, it's dirty. It you know because it's cold, so it's um, sometimes it leaks, so it's 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 not great i'm I'm happy that I don't have to do all that, and we have a special correspondent from from england uh to um, come as a substitute
0: for me super yeah, sub. super <laughs> sub. um yeah. doing the 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 groundwork the grind um siberian lifestyle um yeah. So Russian life hacks, you take out the battery in order for your car to survive. Uh, speaking of hacks, I mean, we, we're doing this news I- news items. <laughs> That's a uh, good transition, man.
1: This
0: <laughs> is great. <done>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought so very much as well. But anyway, speaking of hacks, um, uh, we got these, this new thing with the news item pieces and our first news item of the day, Tim, Spartak Moscow's homepage got hacked, uh, fittingly in Russia. And uh, we all know Russians are very good at hacking. And I'm actually surprised this has happened, hasn't happened before with any of the, um, RPL clubs, but I, I suppose someone hacked Spartak's homepage. Um, yeah, CSKA fans, Lokomotiv fans, Dynamo fans, I'm looking at you. Um, tell me about this. So I woke up today and, uh, we have like a Telegram, uh, group chat, um,
3: uh, with a website called Pro, Pro Spartak. And the chat was just exploding. There was like over a thousand messages. I was like, what happened? Did Massimo Carrero come back? What happened? Like, did we sign Messi? There's something crazy. And, uh, um, I started reading this and what happened is that, uh, um, during the day, uh, there was an article posted on the official website where, um, it, it, it looked like the club. Uh, wrote it uh, that uh, the club was criticizing the fans the reason um for for this uh, supposedly critiques was that uh, there were um, a few posters um, um, a thousand posters uh, glued on in moscow which uh, was a movie which I, i'm not familiar with this movie but it's it's like some kind of a uh, famous, famous movie about, like, uh, fantastic, uh, some, some, group of people. I'm not sure about this movie. I, I I'm not very good movies, but it was pretty much showed, um, Fidun, Glushakov, Kambarov, uh, and, uh, Ribrov as, um, bastards, kinda. And, um, in the, and the poster said, when the, will they leave? And that, you know, those th- thousand posters which were glued around, uh, Spartak Stadium kinda got a big attraction in the media. And, uh, supposedly that article was a response to those, uh, posters. And pretty much in that article, which, like I said, originally was posted on the official website, um, the, the, uh, the fans were called marginals. They were called, um, Cheap, uh, like, like poor people and like, you know, like it's really, really disrespectful to fans. Um, so the club took the, uh, the, the article down in 15 minutes. And then when somebody called, uh, legendary Leonid Trachtenberg and just to make a note, he's 71 years old. He's 10 years older when my granny, uh, sorry, 10 years younger than my granny. And he's in charge of Aspartak social media and, uh, and, uh, press. So obviously when he, when he was asked what happened, he's like, I'm not sure what happened. Somebody put this article up in for us so like he's such a like in russian i don't know how to translate it actually in 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 english but in russian he used such a lame angle uh, language to describe what happened it's clearly like a 71 year old person talking about hacking and about internet it's it's obvious that he has no idea what's going on so that got so much traction on the internet uh the, the article was taken down and obviously every single club Uh, Zdide, Lakomotiv, and even Ska, the hockey team, uh, played it up, and they put it up, for example, Ska, they played against Spartak hockey team in playoff game yesterday, and they put up the, the, uh, the photo gallery from the game, and they said, oh, please make sure you, you watch it, um, you watch it. uh, as soon as possible before before it gets taken down because we don't know how how <laughs> who like who put it up on on the page like everyone is playing against against Spartak now everyone is making fun of them and it's quite an entertaining just, it just happened a few hours ago so it's still going and the memes are just coming right through and center if anyone wants to see my in the next 24 hours my uh, Instagram I'm trying to get at uh, Rocket from Russia all those memes and they're mostly like they are in Russian language but for example there's one which doesn't need in translation, there's a photo of Trachtenberg as a um, matri- Matrix character, you know, like the screen. So it's, it's just it's just hilarious what happened. And it just shows the whole chaos what happens right now in the club and the relationship between fans and the club is absolutely um, non-existent.
0: So you, you're telling me the password for Spartak's homepage to get into the admin is Trachtenberg 71.
3: Could be, uh, could be qwerty, could be one, two, three, four, five. Uh, it's one of those. But if or you want to put password, else, but like a fish, uh, yeah, password, password. Yeah, could. But probably in Russian language. Parol. <laughs> yeah. So it's not. Turns out it's not that hard. And it uh, looks like Leonid Strachtenberg doesn't have a, a very a good imagination
0: when it comes to passwords. But it, it got hacked. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, H, H might be showing here. Um, speaking of H, Shapi Suleimanov. Andrew, um. Oh. Tell me what happened oh, there.
1: Oh, you're on fire with the segues. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shapi, Shapi, Shappi. Well, anybody who, <coughs> anybody who is anybody will know about Shapi Suleimanov by now. His stunning, stunning free kick, pushing Krasadar through against Bayer Levy. Which nobody expected. And a lot of the a lot of the hype around him has come from his ability to score ridiculous numbers of goals in such a short number of minutes. He usually comes on for 15 20 minutes and he's already scored I believe mean, it is six goals from the bench this season in all competitions. Um but the other element of it is the fact he's only nineteen years old. Or is he? Apparently. <laughs> now I'm not saying anything at all, and I I'm sure it's a load of absolute rubbish. But a lot of people are, are glued onto one social media post that said today, perhaps he isn't, um, actually 19 and he's actually four years older to which, um, Shapi Suleimanov himself posted an absolutely hilarious picture on his own Twitter, I think it was, or Instagram, one of the two of, of him standing against next to an opponent, um, only five years ago. And it's date stamped on the, on the photo where he is I honestly think he is literally half the height of the guy next to him. Um uh, I think having his opponent was probably lying about his age. Um but anyhow, yeah, a bit of a bit a bit of hot air. Amusing nonetheless. Um I mean if you're going to try and claim somebody's age is different, you might choose a slightly different person other than somebody who really is an absolute midget. Um so um uh, Shapi I I love him still. Um and I don't believe he is uh, any older than 90. He certainly doesn't look older than 90. Um, but some people are trying to convince us otherwise.
0: Oh, well, I think that's only possible because he's from the Southern Caucasus and maybe, um, records aren't as clear there. But I mean, come on. <laughs> 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 I, I always think it's kind of ridiculous whenever you hear rumors like that. And, um, unfortunately, African players are often targeted, right? with, with rumors suggesting that they are older than they actually are. And it's, it's always a little ridiculous, uh, in my opinion, anyways. Um, speaking of ridiculous, quick, quick one on this. Pavamamaev and Kokorin, that sentencing, um, is still ongoing. Uh, I, I could get a sentence of up to three years, but we don't know yet because that investigation, and I, I don't want to draw this out too much, Tim, because we spoke about this in great length yesterday, uh, last week but um still no sentencing exactly it's still extended uh, apparently now
3: they it's extended to the april 8th i believe or something like that so it's another what almost over a month uh this will keep going so um, yeah there's the, it's it's really just uh i think according in, in said in uh, when they had the hearing he said um you asked us to delay this to beginning of January. It is March right now. Like, it's obviously not March. It's end of February, but still he's a little bit exaggerating. But you can see his frustration that, yeah, originally they asked to extend it to January and we're heading down to March and they're still, they're still sentenced, not sentenced. They're still uh, waiting for, for their official sentence. And, um, yeah, that's, the stories keep going, and um, like I said, I, I don't want to have a positive or negative opinion. Like I said the last time, they are the product of this machine, who is right now uh, judging them. So it's 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 really hard to have <clears throat> a, a one sided opinion. But uh, the short of the story is that they are too. Uh, they're still in jail for having a couple of fights, but uh, looks like fights with
0: the wrong people. Yeah, that makes it such a fascinating um it makes it such a fascinating story, I think, in itself, because it is it is such an open and vivid public display of Russian society and the problems of Russian society in some ways, right, Tim? And this is exactly. I mean, this is something that we pointed out in great lengths um last week. So if you if you wanna listen back to what we had to say, because I think there isn't too much of an update at the moment, but I think some of the things that we said last week about this uh, are bang on. And I think that makes this case so fascinating to follow. It's because of the the, the machinations of Russian society that has so much on vivid display in the public eye. Um, exactly i mean this is this is this is not a one and uh this is not um a special case in many ways because there's many cases like this, but this is such a Ooh. such a public one so exactly yeah it it's yeah. An, it a it fascinating one
3: yeah there's something else which we could add and which perfectly lends into what we discussed last week uh as of right now um if just to bring a little bit back that uh, there was a, a conflict in the coffee shop where uh Mamaev, oh, sorry, that Kakorin, uh, with the chair, uh, punched, um, uh, like a chair, punched like a politician who is, has to do with politics. His name is, his last name is Park. And right now, Park's um, team is claiming that he got the concussion. But originally, when the medical thing was done, it was that he had a scratch on his uh, on his arm. And, uh, like a little, you know, yeah, a little, little injury, um, yeah, like a, like a skin injury, like n- nothing serious. Like it, it was just a hit with a chair. Like it's not obviously not pleasant, but you can't really get a, a concussion from a slight hit, uh, with the chair. But now, uh, the Pucks team is claiming that he had a concussion that also extends, um, this whole hearing situation. So uh, this is, this is, this is just goes along the lines of what we said last week that, they got in a fight with the wrong people and that's why it's blown away so so big. But at the same time that's like said man of the shows just how the society works. Mm. Uh, so if you do something against the uh, smaller people, you can get away. If you can do it against the uh, bigger than you are important people, uh, then, then the you in trouble and the uh, and my obviously are right now sitting since October being in jail. So yeah, that's just another example how this uh, case will be prolonged. And I think the just that PAX teams, they're just uh, doing a massive revenge and doing anything what in their abilities to prolong the uh them being in jail.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as you said, politics, um mechanisms that are typical for Russian society. I think and all of that is displayed display there. And and it's also all at display in our next news item because we got um a new Russian football union president lineup. Um And speaking of political alignments, um, this guy, Dukov, uh, we were joking before the podcast, Andrew, that basically if you work for Gazprom, um, your pathway to football is, is clear (laughs) and the other way around as well. If you work, it's basically like a membership club, isn't it? Um, the Gazprom football union, let's call it that. Um, Dukov is very much from that St. Petersburg clan. We have, we have outlined the St. Petersburg clan and the, the interconnections between that political circ- cycle that basically runs, runs the, the Russian Federation today. Um, remember, President Putin, of course, is, is the head of the St. Petersburg clan. Um, Dukov, Dukov's qualification is that he, um, studied at the Leningrad Shipbuilding uh, Institute and, um, then mm-hmm. got a, yeah. then got a job at Gazprom. And, um, yeah, now is going to run, uh, the Russian football union. Um, of course, it's a bit more complicated than that, but, uh, guys, this is a big, a bigger <laughs> news item, <laughs> <laughs> so we want to discuss it. as a bit more, but yeah, Andrew, what do we know about Dukov?
1: Well, um, you, you you summed up the, to be honest, the most relevant parts. And when I say the most relevant parts, I mean just simply the the connections um, in Saint Petersburg. I mean, the, I I commented off air that basically these job titles that, um, the the they they all have they actually mean very little because for all we know they they are all just doing all of the jobs together. Um Dukov is clearly not remotely qualified for um uh for running uh the Russian football union. Although having said that, he has made some good moves already. He as you mentioned, he wants to introduce beer into the stadiums again. Um good as move. long as he extends that to the press areas, I would be very, very, very happy with <laughs> that Um but in all seriousness though, um, I mean, we joke about what makes you qualified for, for the job, but actually, um, he, you mentioned another sensible idea. I, I mean, in my opinion, is a sensible idea is the consideration of reintroducing fan IDs because I think the, the cleaner the um, the, the situation, the experience at stadiums becomes, the more appealing it will be to more fans and the safer it will be. So, and I think the fan IDs would prove to be a big success on a much more, complicated scale during the World Cup, um I myself have. Um so yeah, I think uh I think maybe we joke about it, but maybe Dukov may not be that bad after all.
3: I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to add a little bit that, um, going back to that St. Petersburg clan that obviously, you know, he has all those connections and, um, uh, Gazprom. And, um, one of the, his strengths as the potential, also as a future president of uh, the Russian FA is that he not only has obviously connections with the government, but also connections with the sponsors. And that's, I think, one of his strongest things that he can get as sponsors to, um, uh, the Russian uh, football union that was an issue in the past in the past um you know with a few different presidents um there were some good times, there were some bad times. And I remember that, um, you know, Russian, so we had to play some weird friendlies uh, a few years ago um, just to, to get some good. And, and I, I remember there were some issues of the financial side of things. So that's the strong part. So not only his ideas about, um, like Andrew mentioned, beer and I, fan ideas, uh which, which are kind of for developing football, but also the financial side of things. And looks like he has some decent connections and some plans to bring on sponsors, uh, which hopefully will work out in the favor of the Russian affairs. So that's, that's, I think that's a very crucial part. And that's why he was the only, there was no other candidates. That's, that's why he was the only candidate um,
1: on um for this job.
0: I think also the, the other candidates, Mutko and Sorokin are kind of, um, Mutko in particular is politically damaged, right? Because of the, the doping scandal, um, after the Sochi Olympics, and it's, it's going to be very difficult to have him in any kind of, um, a job ever again when it comes to sports. So I think because of that. And then I think one aspect, and you mentioned this already or you touch on it, Tim, is the, is the connection to sponsors, um, his, his past of working in, and Gazprom, Gazprom, Neft, of course, the oil sector of Gazprom. Um, you have to remember Gazprom is, is a huge consortium of many, many companies and firms. Um, they, they not only do oil and gas, but they also have a television branch. They have a banking branch. It's, it, it's a, it's a massive holding company. And I think, um, one thing to remember is the Russian football union is quite powerful in FIFA. And Gazprom, of course, are a sponsor of both FIFA and also of UEFA, the Champions League, right? So I think that was one of the aspects that, when the apparatchiks, the political elite, discussed this appointment, that having someone like Dukov and his background represent not just not just represent Gazprom, but the entire country to. Board to the UEFA membership board and also the the FIFA membership board. I think that is something that plays quite a big background because in some ways, although Russia just hosted the World Cup, Mutgo being so damaged ahead of the World Cup meant that they didn't have quite the influence I think that they wanted to have um, in these executive executive offices. And having someone who comes with a strong economic background, of course, gives them that right, Tim yeah absolutely yeah and um, yeah like i
3: said that's it's it's very important for them to be not not only financially but also from the status point of view strong and uh, i think the, the world cup was a very strong push i think like even yesterday i watched an interview with Gali Rinik, Gali, Gary gareniker he spoke With a Russian journalist, and he said, "Yeah, that uh, even the English people were surprised how much status uh, the World, the successful World Cup uh, added to, you know, to the Russian footballing side of things." So I think that's, you know, that's all good, positive side based based on the on the on the World Cup, and uh, obviously, but you're absolutely right. Russian FA needs to be strong right now, and at this point. Uh, they need a strong president with connections with financial and, um, it makes sense, uh, that, you know, Gazprom is the leading brand right now through the Champions League, probably, uh, through the football, you know, through the footballing audience uh, in terms of like, which company is the biggest one or the most recognized. Um, so that's why it kind of makes sense that the person through, from the Gazprom team, is now, um, working, um, heading, heading the Russian affair. I think it all makes sense. But again, we'll just have to see the, uh, because there are, you know, it's not that easy to, to run such a complicated uh, organization. So we wish him luck. I just really hope my, again, I'm, I'm completely biased, but I hope that, you know, having a Zenit, um, connected president is not going to make them favor because we had those experiences in the past. When, let's say, Sky and Zenit, uh, when their people were in head of a FA, they were getting, a uh, better calendar. They getting some favors in terms of moving the games, uh, referees. So I hope this is going to be just all fair. Um, and, uh, it's going to be for the better of the Russian football.
0: Yeah. I think that is always something that plays a little bit of an, yeah, in, in all politics, not just in football, right? Tim, but in, in general. I mean, the fact that the, that's like that. People from St. Petersburg are running the country. Yeah. It has made St. Petersburg in some ways the unofficial capital of the country. And St. Petersburg is in, you sense that in, in many regards in politics when it comes to Russia, that it is the city that gets most of the favors. You know, the, the massive overhaul yeah. that they got, um, a few years back, the, the renovation of, of works, etc. And it seems like Moscow is made to, is, is, is there only to make money. And St. Petersburg exists to govern. Um, you know, very much it is, although Moscow is the official capital, it's where the Duma is, where the Kremlin is, et cetera. But it is still very much the center of power in many ways. So I think you, you touching on this is, is quite interesting in that regard, because, um, it, it, it does, of course, also reflect on the football because it, it, it's no surprise that the biggest football team in Russia at the moment, the richest and, um, is, is based in St. Petersburg, is sponsored by Gazprom. And in, in some ways, the same is true for hockey, right? With Scar, St. Petersburg being, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. being the strongest team as well. So I think those things are not coincidence. And it's also interesting that St. Petersburg is the only, although it is very large, it's a very large city. It's very much centralized, um, on just the soccer, uh, on the one soccer team, the one hockey team and the one basketball team. Which is almost Soviet in its own way. Um, when you look at Moscow, which is more divided and seems to be more representative of the old Russia. So really interesting. Um, something that I think is a very good reflection of Russian society. Again, we, we have a lot of themes like that going on today, but I mean, that's what we like to do on the football guard podcast. We like to bring in those aspects of, of, of life as well. Um, but guys, we have to talk about the league. Um, I know Andrew, You've probably been already moving back and forth on your chair. and It's like, when are we finally going to talk about this? Um, <laughs> when is it finally going to start? Yeah, it's uh, it's almost March, which means in Russia, Andrew?
1: Well, what it means, Manu, what it means is I finally get to drive through the pitch-black Siberian wastelands on a one-lane motorway just to watch some fairly substandard football. No, it means I have my life back. Russian football <laughs> is back. Oh dear me. I you know you know, I, I feel like this is possibly the most important fixture of the entire year because in the summer there's usually a summer tournaments to keep tied over or you know, in even if there's no if it's not an even numbered year and there isn't a Euros or a World Cup, you've not had to wait more than a few weeks. But this this is what we suffer for. Um you know, you have the the first European games give you a little taste of in February and then you've got the Cup games. You've had um you had one already. Um, but finally, this is what we, this is what we love. And as much as I love the Russian Cup, and I'm sure we'll come on to the Russian Cup in a moment, but, um, the league is what matters most. It always does, no matter what country you're in. And, um, and for me personally, I'm even more excited because I've got Zanit St. Petersburg, CSK Moscow, Lokomotive. They're all coming to your Katzenberg in the next few weeks and Zanit in just a few days time. God, I cannot.
0: No, it's go, it's going to be a big match for them too. Um, exactly. Because,
1: yeah,
0: need pretty much have to hit the ground running. We, we, we talked about the, the big transfers that they made and, um, want to preview the second half of the season a little bit here. And, um, the championship contenders, um, which, Ah, in our opinion, at the moment, Zenit, Krasnodar and CSKA. um, they're all in action, of course. Um, CSKA, and interestingly enough, they're all on the road. And, uh, Zenit, a long trip to Yekaterinburg. Um, not an easy trip because it is such a long trip, right? CSKA, probably with the easiest fixture to start off with, um, with Arsenal, Tula. And, um. Which, which also we need to note has been moved to Grozny. Which is has also has been a little bit of
3: conspiracy, but now the game instead of being Tula will be played in Grozny.
0: There you go. But um of of course that's also warm weather, right? Uh Tula, I assume it's it's still very, very cold in Russia. Um Yeah. And then of course
1: Yes, I mean, yes, it is still cold in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean sometimes listeners must think, what is this guy smoking? He knows full so well and uh, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, um, an interesting fixture, really, is the, the Krasnodar against, uh, against you boys, Tim, uh, fixture on, on Sunday, because, um, we want to keep this a little separate. We, of course, said CSGAS and need and Krasnodar, the, the, the t- teams that will fight for the title, right? Um, but if Krasnodar and they need to win that game to stay in the title fight, it's a huge game for them. And for, for Spartak, it's really just the last, chance to maybe get their foot a little bit in the door when it comes to the title fight right Um tim so that is maybe the fixture to watch already when we when we look at the how the second half of the season could play out well absolutely like this is the key game for Spartak because like they are
3: now uh, only 2 points behind CSKA which is the Champions League spot and uh, you know if they win Krasnodar they will be only 2 points um, uh, well, behind Krasnodar and CSKA is now three points behind Krasnodar and we're naming CSKA as one of the contenders for, for the champions. Uh, so, but at the same time, uh, as of its trends right now, um, and based on the first half of the season, Zenit and Krasnodar CSKA, are the main, uh, champions, uh, contenders. Uh, but yeah, like you said, this game is crucial.
0: Yeah. And, and they really are. I mean, we look at the, the top of the standings. Zenit have 34 points. Krasnodar have 33. And CSKA Moscow have 30. So, you know, they're only four points separate, the top three teams. And then Spartak Moscow and Lokomotiv have 28 each. So they're already six points out, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's 17 play- games are already played. And, uh, in Russian football, they only have, um, 30 games, right? It's, it's a smaller league and the, the games are now coming thick and fast. And, um, it's in that regard, we want to focus on those top three, um, and, Tim you said need basically bought them, bought their title over the winter break. They signed Rakitsky, they signed Barrios, and they signed Asmune. They took care of every possible possible hole in their squad, didn't they?
3: Exactly, except the left of the left back, the left defender, which we uh, already discussed um, a couple, maybe a month ago when we were going for Acuna. Then they trying to go for Skopintsev f- uh, from Rostov, who ended up going to Krasnodar, which we covered last week. Uh, but otherwise, they really, really, they lost Paredes, but they found an maybe even an equal or maybe even better um, substitution in, in, in the face of uh, Barrios who really, you know, it seems like he will be, uh, a key player, uh, for them. Um, it looks like Rakitsky will be another one of those, um, key players in the game. And Asmund already showed his quality in the game against Fenerbahce. Um, obviously, um, it looks like Asmund is brought to be in the meantime substitute for Gakkorin because obviously he's due to, uh, described events. His future is uncertain, but I think they strength is really, really strong. And I think, um, they were missing a striker. Um, they really strengthened the position which they needed. Um, in addition to already very good squad, which they have. And I think this will be the, the change, uh, which, which in my opinion will give them the, uh, the trophy. In my opinion, the team who deserves the most, and there's no such thing in football as deserves, but I feel like the most team which made the biggest progress is Ceska this year because they really made a massive, massive revolution and they're still, um, doing well. They, they had a great Champions League, even they came last in the group, but they had uh, fantastic games against Real Madrid and they, they did well. Uh, but I think that, uh, Zenit with those transfers just added a little bit of quality, which will, um, give them an opportunity to, uh, to become the champions. That's, I think that's my prediction. And I think, you know, I haven't talked about Krasnodar yet, but I think Krasnodar uh, will be happy with the second position, which uh, will qualify them straight to the Champions League. They never played the Champions League football yet, but the club is consistently growing, uh, starting Europa League, then building their own stadium, then, uh being successful in the group of uh, Europa League now they made it to the next round in the playoffs so you can see there's a consistent progress uh, in Krasnodar and i think the next step for them would be um Champions League um i think they they will take it either the third or the fourth, second place but obviously they will be way more happy than the second place because second place gives them straight qualification to the group um so i think but one thing which i need to 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 look at when i was getting ready for the podcast i looked at the calendars of all teams wh- which will be playing and the great thing is that all the teams are playing against each other so this even 6 point difference right now doesn't mean that much don't get me wrong i don't have any hopes of my team uh closing that 6 point gap but, um, just for, from the neutral point of view, everyone plays everyone and, um, three points means nothing at this point because, uh, every team is playing with against each other. So it's going to be very exciting, um, end of the season. And it's actually. Way more interesting than uh, the last two uh, leagues when Spartak and Lokomotiv won uh, the trophies because I remember that both teams had a fairly they had a few key games but they didn't have such a a busy schedule playing against each other they they both teams had a few games which were important but uh, with the rest of the season it was pretty much they they just had to do what needed to be done and both teams kind of uh, converted their uh, winter break uh, points uh, difference. And points, um, you know, the points they had ahead of everyone, to the trophy. Right now, it's not going to be the same. Everyone will be playing everyone, and we have a very exciting rest of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to um, quickly touch on on Sunid, uh Sorry, on Krasnodar, on CSKA Moscow. Um, Andrew, I think while Zenit made all those big moves, maybe the big strength for CSKA and Krasnodar is that they didn't make need, didn't need to make any chan- changes really. In the winter, and they can just basically go into the second half of the season with the same squad. I mean, Krasnodar only brought in Olsen. Um, that's about it. They, they brought him Olsen, I guess, to replace Cueva, who was a big disappointment. Um, and Skopinsev. And Skopinsev, of
1: course, but not, I mean, he, not he, even Skopinsev, though, changes. you know, he, he, well, I, I agree with you, Manu. Um, uh, I mentioned last week, so slightly surprised because Christian Ramirez has been a, a, a very useful attacking weapon for them uh, uh, well he yeah, thanks me as the left wing back I know he's playing a back four but he gets forward so well um, so yeah you make a very good point I think um uh, I agree with what Tim says about Tisgar when you talk about who if anybody deserves success I mean the beginning of this season after we saw the entire squad's spine just ripped out in one fell swoop I think most of us thought Tesco might even struggle to make the Europa League, yet alone Champions League. Um, and yet to go and beat the reigning European champions home and away, uh, yes, like Tim said, they didn't get out of the Champions League group, but to beat Real Madrid home and away and to be right up there in the title challenge is just quite phenomenal. It's quite remarkable. And to do so with such a young squad is is healthy for the state of the league. Um So, yeah, uh, God, the, the future list is looking incredible. I mean, I'm talking, I'm thinking selfishly about Ural, who I'll get to see in Yekaterinburg. It's an incredible list. Um, and you know, I, we joke about my utter bias towards Ural, but they are a very difficult side to beat. They've not lost at home since August. Um, they've, they concede like mad. Um, but even Ural have brought in Stefan Strandberg on loan. Uh, they'll be a bit stronger. Uh, no team wants to go out to, Yekaterinburg or even worse, Krasnyask. Um, and, you know, you got, you got to remember little elements like the Centralny Stadium in Yekaterinburg is open. It's not got a covered roof like in St. Petersburg. They close the roof and it's a warm 17 degrees, positive 17 degrees, I might add. Um, (laughs) so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a foreign language that these, these softy Westerners, (laughs) uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be, Genuinely probably one of the most fascinating title races with so many elements in it. And even down to locomotive, they they like you mentioned Tim, they're only six points. And one defeat for Zanid. Don't forget Zanit, they've lost more games in the last four games than any team in the entire league. Yeah. Um so it, it's it's just impossible to predict. But Zanit's edge with both chances, like you say to might just be what pushed them over the edge.
0: Yeah, classic Zanit meltdown on the road, or maybe a title Title challenge. Um, I think, I think that's, oh, it.
3: man, you know me. Like, I'll be happy if my predictions uh, doesn't happen and your prediction goes through. Like, you know, I'll be the happy oh, second, well, not, that will be my second favorite outcome. So yeah, I'm, I'll, I'm going for your prediction, even mine as Zini.
0: <laughs> you know, I think, and I have actually an article <clears throat> coming out on, uh, Murad Musayev, um, the Krasnodar head coach. I think, um, the two best coaches in the league are at Krasnodar and at CSKA. With Viktor Goncharenko, yeah. right? So, I think for the sake of coaching and tactical innovation and what's happening in in Russian game at the moment, either one of those two teams winning it would be far more fascinating of a story because it would have been done through tactics and innovation rather than yeah. through football, money. not through money. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is that is something that I I think find fascinating. Goncharenko and Musayev are two very different. Coaches to very different approaches to the game, but fascinating nonetheless. And I think that is, that, it, that would be, um, an interesting aspect of the story. And I think coaches in general, not just in Russia, but an entire post-Soviet space are very much overlooked because they rarely venture into Western Europe. And I think, um, we have two of the best young coaches in the European game. I mean, Bayer Leverkusen just got the experience, Murad Muzaev and the way he plays football um it's a very 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 fascinating brand to watch an interesting brand of football to watch and the same was same with Gonchorenko. i mean this guy had no money whatsoever and he managed to beat real madrid twice and i think that is something that is deserving of notice um so yeah an uh, interesting aspect um we need to kind of talk about the the next bunch of teams um in this in this second half preview and this is this is the european places um we have to take out Ruben Kazan because they are banned from Europe, right? So, um, basically we're talking about Spartak Moscow, Lokomotiv Moscow, um, Rostov and Ahmad Krosny, possibly because Rubin are banned.
1: Ken? And, and, <laughs>
0: um, yeah, t- and, uh, Andrew, I think with 22 points, um, there's the cup, right? <laughs> uh,
1: Andrew, you have oh, our cup. Oh, cup is all yours, oh, oh, buddy. I'll I'll, I'll,
0: let, I'll give you that one, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I just see, I, you know, you have a very... Let's see what, what Rural does against Zenit, and then maybe we can open that
1: that can again. Wait, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll brush over the fact we've conceded uh, the, the the most number of goals in the entire league so far. Yeah, we'll just ignore 10. that fact.
0: That's like an extra <laughs> minus point, right, at the, this stage. But yeah, so... Um, uh yes. How are we going to see this, this, this finish up though, boys? Um, I mean, it's such a blurred line because this pack of teams, and this includes Lokomotiv and Sparta, could still finish in the Champions League. I think it's a bit too far for them to win the title, but they also have to fight hard to stay in the Europa League, right, Tim?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think, I think, especially again, given that all the clubs will play against everyone, then, uh, with that, caveat, uh, we can see Spartak and Loko even, you know, aiming for the champion league uh, spots. I agree with you that probably, you know, for both clubs right now, uh, the trophy is unreachable, and I don't think that both clubs... Again, if we speak in quote unquote deserve uh, to win the trophy because they, um, especially Spartak having three coaches in one season in the first half of the season, Mm -hmm. like those teams just, you just, you just can't win the league. It's, it's too messy and you need to figure out how to protect your, uh, official website and then how to protect your goal, probably. But, uh, the Lokomotiv uh, also had a tough season. They were, they were focused on Champions League and that was, um, that kind of the two, two big tournaments, um, also didn't help. But I think both clubs are favorites, uh, to end in, uh, the Europa League spots or, or somewhere on between the third, fourth and fifth, uh, place because, um, the both clubs have still very strong, uh, squads, um, Uh, Spartak has um, brought up a lot of youngsters and um, increased the core of the Russian players Uh, Lokomotiv uh, also they still have a very great uh, squad and it also depends on the form of the players because we remember how crucial uh, uh, Fernandes was uh, in their champion season also they still have further small of who is um, obviously has the class and has the high level of play but he he wasn't himself in the first half of the season when he played for um it was it had to do with his form and post world cup um who knows if he will be in a good form and uh, fernandes and the uh, miranchuk brothers will be in good form maybe you know that will that will be very, very helpful. Again, at, at the same time, if those players will be out of form, we saw how Lokomotiv can be vulnerable vener- and um, how that can cause problems for them. So, uh, to wrap up the conversation, I think Spartak and Lokomotiv are the favorites. Uh, Rostov and Ahmad also have been doing well this season, especially Rostov, a uh, very hard team to beat. And I'm, uh, I think, uh, at the same time Rostov's focus will be on the cup because they made it they, they won over Krasnodar and they are the first team who made it to the semi-final of the Russian Cup they are literally three games uh, two games away from the final and then anything could happen in the final and um so I think Rostov will be quite happy uh, to still you know focus on, on play the league but focus on the cup and see how that goes and if they make it to the final you know that's that's that will be their their europe so, it's going to be interesting, but again, my prediction is Spartak and Lokomotiv have a little bit more chances than Rostov and Ahmad, and this is what I have to say. And Andrew, now you have a chance to talk about all.
1: Well, I mean, you know, all the conversation about who's going to focus on the cup is all completely irrelevant, because <laughs> you already know who's going to win anyway. Um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've got to cling on to the hope. Look, I'm still scarred from two years ago when I I went all the way down to the Black Sea to watch Odal against Lokomotiv. And, uh, wait, wait, <laughs> wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. You went all the way to Sochi to hang out on the beach and happened to watch a football game. Don't make yourself <laughs> sound like a victim.
1: <laughs> hey, look, it's it's a tough adjustment when you come from such cold temperatures uh-huh. to go to such beautifully oh. warm temperatures. Manu, not that you would know anything about going all the way to Sochi to a mm. Beach and maybe catch a game or two. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? No, uh, I was so. quite
0: honest about it when the World Cup that I took three
1: days <laughs> off to hang out on the beach. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you didn't hide. You, I, when, when, we, when we met after the World Cup, I remember you saying, you know, what, I might just stay here for a few days. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't envy you. I'm only going to be sweating in a car driving down hundreds of kilometres of motorway and you're going to be putting your feet up on the beach. Yeah. Um, anybody who doesn't know, Sochi is an absolutely lovely place and it doesn't feel like Russia at all, i be perfectly honest. <laughs> Anyhow, I digress. Um, Sochi for me means one thing and that was Russian Cup Final 2017, four red cards and with about 20 minutes to go, Oral, my tiny little club, was that close to playing in Europe. But the thing is about the Russian Cup, I've always found it slightly curious, is I understand the fixture congestion. A lot of teams might think, you know what, I'm just going to focus on the league, but it is a golden route into Europe. Um And I think, uh, I think the fact that we've got the likes of Rostov, Arsenal, Tula um almost certainly are going to go through to a semi-final 4-2 up on, from the first leg again, or the, only, the only, oh, sorry, sorry, Spartak Moscow still in it, aren't they? Of course. Um, Tim. <laughs> That's a great question, Tim. If you look at the table, Spartak only, well, only six points off the top, but only two points off Champions League places. Do you think Spartak will prioritize the league over the cup? Or no, no don't no, think no, they no.
3: The, the The official thing, the official goal is the cup and the Champions League. So there will be no prioritization, and I don't think it makes sense to prioritize anything because the cup is literally only, uh, what, four games left. And if we make it to the semifinal, most likely we'll be playing against Arsenal-Tula, which is doable. And regardless of what's happening in the league, Spartak has a chance of going uh over Arsenal-Tula. So I don't think there will be either or. It will be both. Spartak, uh, the goal official, the official goal is to win the, the trophy, to win the cup. And they have a decent chances and uh, also to qualify for Champions League. So, um, going back to that conversation, I still not sure because I'm a very worried like, and, and now I'm being serious for a moment when I talk about Toral, but I'm really worried about the game, which will happen, um, in, on the March of 7th when Spartak is going to play away. In Oral, as of right now, it stands, oh, uh, it's 1-1. Uh, Oral has an away goal and literally as of right now, Oral is going through. So, um, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about this game, but at the same time for Oral, if you qualify for semi final, I think that you will be prioritizing the couple over the league because you're safe. Not you're not 100% safe, but you save fish in terms of relegation. But if you have a chance to win yeah. the cup, I, I think Oral will go
0: all in. That's a good transition right there because we still need to talk about relegation and um, yes and i I agree with you I think um everyone above tenth looks relatively safe um you know it is only five points even for for Ural and Orenburg to that thirteenth spot which is which is the relegation promotion uh playoffs right. But I, I really look Arsenal, Tula, Dynamo, Kiev, Krilya, Sovietov, Um, Ufa, Anchi and Yenisei. Those are the teams in the thick of it. And, um, Andrew, I want to give that to you because we all know you love for Anchi Machachkala. Um, <laughs> when you look at this, yeah. this bunch of, of the, of when you look at these teams, um, I mean, Dynamo, Moscow, they, they might actually eventually play in a new stadium. Um, but the entire rest, um, who do you see going down? I think, I mean, Ufa is a very well-run club. Arsenal Tula are a very well-run club too, considering their size. Um, Yenisei, I think they're done, they're gone. Um, Dynamo Moscow was always a team that could kind of slip
1: up. I mean, there's so many possibilities of how this could go. Well, I mean, mathematically looking at the table, it really is impossible to call. But actually, I, I actually don't see a lot of movement there because I think Arsenal Tula are. Far lower than they deserve to be. They're just, uh, I think they're one of the most entertaining sides to watch. Um, especially with your Spartak boy, um, on loan on the wing, Bakayev. He mm-hmm. was actually, for me, was the best player on, for Arsenal Tula when they came to Yukassenberg and he scored twice. Um, I mean, uh, Sergei Tukachov. um, he's one of my favorite, neutral players just he loves taking long shots, but he's a he's a fantastic a footer. Um I mean how they are eleventh is quite beyond me. Dinamo now I'm gonna go back to a point I made I think it was probably in about May in our podcast where I said we're talking about the Feniel one one podcast and I said I think the likes of um Nizhny Novgorod will not go down because at the time they were struggling. Because of their World Cup stadium. Um, well, Dynamo Moscow, because of their stadium, I'm sure they will have enough connections to, um, encourage their survival, shall we say, uh, mm. in the Premier League. Um, now, Ufa are a very well-run club in terms of scouting, certainly. And I agree with you on that point. But I just think they are just, they're, they're utterly bereft of, of goals. Um, I don't see them going anywhere. Uh, Krelia are, they, they've made an effort with their signings they've brought in a really? lot of experience um yeah. Semetof and Ananidze is going to be I really hope Shishkin. for his sake that he as Shishkin as well i mean they've made some very good signings so potentially Credio could, uh, could overtake Dynamo Moscow but that is about the only change i actually see happening and i and i don't think that will happen um i think um you know we we've, we've seen how Yenisei at the beginning of the season practically airlifted half of Amkar half of Tosno's squad um, and I thought it was a very good move, you know, a lot of experience and it just didn't work for them. Um, Korea are hoping within the space of 13, well, actually, sorry, 14 games. Um, they've got their cancelled game, haven't they? Um, mm-hmm. against Oldenburg. I don't think it's going to work quickly enough for them. So I actually think the bottom four, I know it's not imaginative, but I actually don't think bottom four is going to change.
3: Yeah, can I add just one more little thing on that? That, um, Andrew's way, knows way more than I do on that, but I'm just looking on, uh, the NFL, the, that the second tier of Russian football. And just a reminder, the top two teams are going straight to the league and the third and fourth place, uh, place relegation matches, uh, with the, what, uh, 14th and 15th place. Oh, sorry, 13th and 14th places. And looking at the FNL table right now where we have, uh, looks like the third and the fourth teams will be Avangar, Kursk, uh, Chertanova, Nizhny, Novgorod or Sochi. Um, I don't think that those teams, know knowing a little bit about them, that they really are, represent any danger for, uh, for example, if let's say Krylia, Sovetov or Ufa, will end up in that, or especially Dynamo Moscow if end up in the relegation games. I think the gap is too big. I think the two best clubs from FNL, FK Tambov and Tom Tomsk will qualify automatically and uh, I think this year the relegation uh, battles is not going to be that big of a challenge for the RPL clubs so pretty much if we saying uh, and I think we all agree that Anji and UNICE have the least chances of surviving then the other teams which will end up playing the relegation matches they, they should be safe.
0: Although that said I think if Sochi make the playoffs they will go up. Well, yeah, and um, then Nizhny Novgorod also have the stadium, so <laughs> for the same
3: reason,
1: which ended just so. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. it's it's a, it's a good point, buddy, and just like you said, I, I that's where I think it would get um, interesting, shall we say? I agree with you, though, Tim. But having watched the well, in, f- the Fenel is the league I have watched the most. I'll be I'll be going to watch in fact, Chitanova on the 16th of March when 15-year-old Manchester United trialist Sergey Pinyayev is now in the senior squad, um, which is going to be. Fascinating to see if he actually plays. They have a team I would say would be the more dangerous because simply they have grown up together. Um Avangard Kursk um had their cup run, of course, last year. Um but, but they are not the fenel Fennel is a very odd league. Kursk it's, have no, no
0: infrastructure, Andrew, right? I mean that's just yeah. that's just the I, I can't see that. But if Sochi or Nizhny Novgorod make that playoff spot yeah. with their World Cup stadium, the money well, that's psh- going to be poured in from it's, the regional it's, governments mm.
1: it's it's something it's something that can't be factored out of it and there is it kills me to say this but in the interest of a club surviving in the premier league it would make more sense to i don't want to say give an advantage to them but the fact is that those two clubs Norwich and and uh, Saul Pope's favorite club um they <laughs> would be in a better position to survive in the top flight than Chitanova and Avangard Kursk uh, yes. Kursk is not the most attractive place they won't be able to bring in the higher quality of players that would if you say come to Sochi you know the stadium already because yes. it's in the World Cup it's a beautiful place to live uh, Novgorod is one of the most historical beautiful cities in Russia um, they're far easier draws than Kursk and Chitanova they, they only play their own academy players so yeah, they're effectively playing a, a second team in the top tier if they yeah. go up and they, it would be, it would be romantic to see them play well, but it's just not realistic to hope that they would. There's the there
0: so much politics behind that Sochi team, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it's when I mean, they go up, I think, um, let's say they, the Russian government would love to have a team from the Caucasus in the RPL, but they don't necessarily want them to be in Dakistan, right? Because all of a sudden you have representation, but it's, it's, it's a part of Caucasus that the Russian government very much controls. It's a beautiful area. So it would be very easy. It's basically like, um, you know, here in Canada, a lot of teams and a lot of teams based in, in central Canada have problems retaining their talent because it's, it's a horrible place to live in the winter. Um, this is the same with some of the Russian teams. If you can choose to basically live in the Miami of Russia, I think a lot of players will go for it. And I think, um, given the prestigious project that Sochi has been, I think it, it's just, it, for me, it just, that's how, that's how it's going to play out. Um, looking at this, I, I think Sochi, if not this year, next year, they will be in the Premier, in the Premier League. It's just how, that's how, how it's going to be. But boys, um, we're pretty much done with our, um, preview for the league we have one item to discuss and we have to make this pretty quick um the Europa League draw guys we got Zenit against Villarreal Valencia against Krasnodar Chelsea against Dynamo Kiev and we're going to have a lot of fun writing those previews I think those are three games that we really are going to enjoy I think Dynamo Kiev of course have going to have the toughest um toughest challenge but, um, yeah. in Valencia and in Villarreal, two Spanish sides and, um, attractive games. Really looking forward to previewing them, having them on footballgrad.com, having covered. But I think most importantly, two games that Russian teams could win and progress from.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I agree with what you say. I I was actually very happy with that draw. You couldn't, on paper, look at the likes of perhaps Dinamo Zagreb or Slavia Prague as slightly easier draws, perhaps. But then again, Zanit, of course, played Slavia Prague and struggled massively in the group stages. They beat them 1-0 and I was there in the stadium. But Slavia Prague were absolutely dominant all over Zanit. So I actually, in a weird way would rather than play these two clubs. Villarreal are very near the relegation zone in the Liga and Valencia. I believe they've drawn more games than any other team in Believe. they struggle struggled to, to finish games off. So, actually, it's a good challenge. It's a suitable challenge, but a very, very manageable tie for both Zenit and are And like we mentioned, they've both got over the most difficult hurdle yet, which is the, that very first game, the 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 first tie, uh before they've had any competitive football. Now they've had their competitive break um into the domestic season. I I'd be disappointed to be honest if at least one of them if not both didn't go through.
0: Yeah Tim, Russian teams usually like to play against Spanish sides. You know, you look yeah. at recent history, even the last couple of seasons, this year of course, I think this is this is good news um overall. Yeah, I
3: totally agree with you. Yeah, because historically, for some reason, for some weird reason, Russian, uh, uh, Russian team has have tough time against French and English teams, um, German teams as well. But then for some reason, against Spanish teams, we play. Successfully. I don't know what's, that's really the, 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 the trend there. But, uh, again, but Villarreal is not having a great season and Zenith and work like you said, they're over the hump. They already will be in this season. Yes, of course, it's still early, but I think the Zenith uh, quality will be enough uh, to, uh, to play against Villarreal. Spartak played against Villarreal when Spartak was on a horrible uh, form and still we, we still put up a, a little fight and Villarreal didn't look anything impressive. I haven't watched their recent games, but, you know, their league in the table dictates that not everything is really going great. So Zenit definitely, they have, I think that I would call Zenit favorites there. Valencia, Kresnodar, I would say it's 50-50 because Valencia have just way more experience in that stage of, um, of, uh, European competition. Uh, but Krasnodar is definitely, they definitely have their chances. Dinamo Kiev story a little bit tougher. Mm. Chelsea is a very strong team. We saw, we all saw what happened in, in the final of the cup and, uh, in Chelsea. So maybe that somehow will, you know, I don't know, we'll put some questions in their squad. But that, but I, but Dinamo Kiev definitely had the hardest draw. And obviously Chelsea's, Chelsea are favorites. But if we will have, uh, Krasnodar and Zenit, um, to go to the quarterfinals,
0: that will be a massive success. Uh, for Russian football and very good for football, God. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that they will. Dynamo Kiev. Yeah. We don't even know who's going to coach Chelsea. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who will be in goal? Yeah. <laughs> who will be in goal? <laughs> um, yeah, what a mess. I, I, I briefly want to touch on that, Andrew. Um, bizarre that, uh, uh milk cup final yes. or whatever the <laughs> cup is called these days, um, against Man City. <laughs> wow. Uh, I I've, yeah,
1: I, I, I've honestly, I, I've very, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. Uh, and it, almost as bad as that was, it was embarrassing to see the the canned official responses of, it was a misunderstanding. Anybody who didn't watch it, well, yeah, right. I'm sure everybody has he basically the goalkeeper, twenty four year old, um, seventy one million pound signing has won nothing in his career and is third choice keeper at best for Spain. Tells Mauricio Sorry, one of the most respected tacticians in world football. No, I'm not coming off when he wants to make a substitution, tactical substitution for penalties. Um and he then prances around like Bruce Grobler on the line and makes a mess of trying to save the penalty and the and manages to win the shootout anyway. Um and he just defied the coach. The coach went ballistic. So, um, I was, I'm was i amazed that Mauricio Sarri, at the time of recording anyway, is still in charge of Chelsea. Um, but, uh, like you say, it's debatable whether he will be still by the time of the Dynamo Kyiv game.
0: Yeah, we will, I mean, we will, we're, we we're, pre- we're going to preview all these games. I think with the Dynamo Kiev one, we're going to wait until the very last minute so we can make,
1: <laughs> usually it's lineup changes <laughs> that
0: we have to worry about. This time it could be coaching changes. Um, what a backstory to this game. It's, um, uh, such an unknown factor. And then, I mean, Chelsea are just such a mess, top to bottom, the, the whole coaching situation that's been going on for weeks now. The fact that they got a transfer ban. And the, the persistent rumors that Roman Abramovich wants to sell the club. I mean, wow. Uh, I think maybe if you want to play, if you want to play them as one of the post Soviet teams, this could be the time to do it. Um, because they're just, they, they're just in such disarray. But at the same time, they might have to win the Europa League to get into the Champions League next year. So that's, mm-hmm. that's another factor. So yeah, um, definitely this is going to be one that we're going to maybe have to talk about a bit more um come next week boys
3: yeah man a quick question uh just really a couple seconds um uh, everyone says the most exciting tie is uh, eintracht frankfurt versus inter milan and this is a little bit um Mm. you know not to our friends at Gegenpressing. uh what do you think really quickly about this uh, pair Uh, do
0: eintracht frankfurt have a decent chance of going through well i was at the charter donets game um and I have to say, and I, I think this is something that you can't underestimate. This, this, uh, stadium, the, uh, former Waldstadion. And I, I like to use that name rather than the commercial product that they advertise now to name the stadium. Um, everyone in German football always talks about uh, Borussia Dortmunds Westfalen Stadion, right? And the noise there. But, um, having now covered a couple of games in Frankfurt, I, I had to put an earplug so I could cover the game. <laughs> the noise was, was so tremendously loud that I couldn't, I it actually hurt my ears. I've never experienced anything like it. The, the noise level in the stadium. Team Werner style? You no, know, I think Bezik you guys have to pack and um, you forget it. You can't compete with the stadium. The, the, the Waldstadion in Frankfurt is, is something very, very special uh, in terms of atmosphere, in terms of, In terms of football that they play as a club, I mean, the reason why it is so loud and the fans are going, are so much behind this club. And I have, I have an article actually up on the Forbes.com if you want to check it out. Um, I think that really is a huge home advantage for them. So that first leg for them, I think Frankfurt will have to win that game to set themselves up well nicely. And when you look at the Italian stadiums right now, they are mostly, um, they're not, the atmosphere isn't great in Italian stadiums anymore. So maybe that is a big benefit for them. And I mean, Tim, they beat Schachter Donetsk 4-1. At home. Yeah, that's crazy. I saw that's crazy. I mean, the Schachter Donetsk are a very, very good team. And they just, they steamrolled them. I mean, at no point during that game did Schachter have any chance, um, to get back into it. And that's just a remarkable, remarkable thing. This Frankfurt side is very good. Um, and once they, they stabilize and if they get, keep their players together, this is a club that could really, you know, become maybe the next Borussia Dortmund in terms of where they're going to be in German football. And I'm really much looking forward. I mean, I think the Europa League, we don't talk, it doesn't get the coverage that it deserves. I think it's, it's a wonderful competition and some of the draws that we got. I mean, we just talked about the three that we got for. The, the football grad teams, um, we add the, the Frankfurt game to it. Those are four wonderful ties. Um, those are games that I think a lot of people can be very excited about. And I'm very much looking forward to covering it. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm really much looking forward to next Thursday um, when these games are going to go down. But yeah, boys, um, unfortunately we up, up for time. Andrew, um, previews. <laughs> I, I bet you, you looking forward to doing those, eh?
1: oh can't wait can't wait because actually we'll be able to write them with genuine hope rather than just uh, with expectation sorry mm. rather than just hope um so yeah looking forward to getting those in um and uh more importantly i'm looking forward to driving through um nine hours ten hours of snow cold freezing cold just to get to see us in the Centralny Stadium. So, uh, a bit of social media for me, Andrew Midge Flint on Twitter, if you're interested. I'll show you what Siberian football, almost Siberian <laughs> football, looks like.
0: Yeah, well, definitely make sure to share that on Football Ground as well, um Andrew. Um, make sure that as, as many people as possible can uh, share your joy of the Siberian winter. Tim, how about you? Well, all the usual spots. You can find me on uh, Rocket from Russia on Instagram.
3: And Russian team 61. I'm excited for the beginning of the season. Uh, we'll be watching Spartak against Krasnodar this weekend, and then um, not gonna be. Luckily, I'm not gonna be in Centralny Stadium watching Spartak playing away in Oral. but I'll be downloading the game illegally through torrents, and we'll be watching in a very warm uh, place uh, called Vancouver Bridge, Columbia, Canada. Have fun, Andrew.
0: <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, I'm also back in action, um, after just coming back from Germany, covering a bunch of games over there. And I covered, um, those games both for the Football Guard Network, but also for Pro Soccer USA. I have a feature on Tyler Adams and, uh, Alfonso Davies, if you're interested. And then back at the Whitecaps on Saturday, um, first game of the season, back in the stadium. So, and never stops that coverage will be on Pro Soccer uh usa as well um and you can find this podcast all the other work and everything that we do at football grad live and you can follow me at manuel boys that does it great podcast once again thanks for listening everyone until next week dann svidani <laughs>